Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Rich Velotis. I'm the lead pastor at New Life Fellowship here in Queens, New York City, and I'm here uh, with Pete Scazzaro. Pete is the founder of New Life as well as the founder of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And today we're going to have a conversation on the topic, can you be a believer and not a disciple? Uh, quite a provocative title, Pete. Mm-hmm. You wrote a blog on it. So I wanted to, let's unpack it a little bit. Uh, first of all, why did you write this blog? What was, what were you thinking about wrestling yeah, yeah. with about this notion of being a believer and disciple? Uh, well, it started out by noticing it, a num- you know, a number of years ago when I was you know, travel in different parts of the country, I realized, oh my gosh, there's like a lot of people who are believers, but they're not following Jesus. It was very confusing to me. And I, actually, my brother's church was a climax for me, which is a mega church in the Midwest. And uh, just uh, meeting some members of a small group and realizing, you know, my brother is a good example of someone who's accepted Christ, mm-hmm. believer in Jesus, but his family life is not following Jesus wholeheartedly. It's kind of like the church is there, he's got a small group that meets every other week, you know, it's a marriages. And I remember they, 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 they were gonna do EHS one week, which is spirituality of the course. And he did one week and, and he just realized, yeah, we can't do this here. <laughs> he says, I said, what do you mean you can't do it? He goes, we, we, don't, we, don't, we, we don't do things that serious, it's, it's too intense. We'll do like, you know, fellowship and mm-hmm. maybe we'll talk about the sermon for like 10 or 15 minutes and then we had fellowship and we share together, it's a great time. But you're like, this is, this is like, you're like tapping. You're 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 going to a place that we don't we don't do that in the Midwest. Mm. <laughs> he said to me. Yeah. And so I noticed it externally, but then actually I noticed that even uh, uh, in my own daughters, saying, "What is this like? Like, how do you understand your your Christianity?" And then then mem- at New Life Fellowship Church, as we've gotten bigger, recognizing, wow, it's here now too. Uh, and I was and I realized this is a problem. And who's a believer? Who's not? So that's what got me on the journey. Mm-hmm. So I think language is important, and when you think so, when you think about the language of uh, discipleship and salvation, often, as you mentioned about like your brother, there's this language that uh, a dichotomy of accepting and following. And so I have accepted Christ, uh, received Christ, and then there's this whole notion of following, and the two often get segmented mm-hmm. and become optional. Uh, as you've thought about this theology of salvation, conversion, discipleship, it seems as if you you want to hold the two together, same mm-hmm. coin, different side. Um, how would you speak to just language, uh, how important language is of accepting Christ and following Christ? Well, essentially, you can share too about this whole revival culture that you were raised in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, you know, to me, one of the great gifts of evangelicalism is we lead people to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the great strength. Um, and it's beautiful. That's how I came to Christ. I made a decision for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was on my way following him. But, uh, and so that's a gift. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and, and someone like Bill Hull would say in his writings, that that decision-making emphasis of evangelicalism is a distortion of the gospel because it means I made a decision for Christ. Now I got to make a second decision. Am I going to be a follower? Mm. And that's, and I, 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 think, I think he's on to something there. Uh, but for me, when I accepted Christ, it was definitely like, hey, I'm, I'm going to follow Christ. But I think as a leader, my, the emphasis is that I get decisions, that I get people to come forward. How many came forward for the altar? That's, a, that's the measure of my success. Right. How many accepted Christ today? <laughs> and, uh, and so, I don't, Rich, share about your, because I remember you telling me about your context. And I was like, 
that whole altar call. Yeah, absolutely. Mentality. I mean, it's it's hard on a preacher that you you, you define your success of the sermon. Uh, whether people came to the altar or not, and often people didn't come to the altar when I preached, you know, especially <laughs> in the early days. Uh, but it's the environment, and again, we 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 want to appreciate and embrace all the good that have come through different traditions and yeah. streams throughout the centuries. Uh, but it's this emphasis that as long as you came to the altar, um, or responded, or fill out a card, that's really all that matters. Your eternal mm. security is secure. And so the emphasis then becomes on what happens after you die. Yeah. Right. As opposed to um, what's happening right now. Yeah. And so people get away with sloppy discipleship uh, because it's sloppy theology about what the nature of salvation is. That it's uh, for the afterlife or the life to come as opposed to the here and now. Uh, and so, like you wrote, you know, we, we can make a lot of decisions, but not have any disciples. And, and so EHS really uh, has, you know, in your work with EHS and the content of EHS and the why EHS was birthed was to address this critical gap. That it's not enough to just um, say, I've received Jesus, but we are called, as, and Jesus uses the language often of just follow me. He doesn't say necessarily uh, believe in me for the afterlife. He says, follow me in the here and now. And so... How has EHS tried to address this discipleship gap, this problem of saying yes to Jesus, but not really following him? Yeah. And I think we have to remember that that we are part of a Western context, which is the church right now is the thrust of most conference, leadership conferences and uh, church plants. I got to get people in our church attending. I've got to get them connected, mm-hmm. and then I got to get them serving. And... As one mega church pastor told me, he says, Pete, you don't understand when you're talking about doing EHS in a church and doing discipleship, he says, that flies in the face of everything. Our this church is like almost 4,000 people. Everything that we're, that my other pastors are hearing when they go to conferences, mm-hmm. which is get people connected, serving, and um, attending. So um, we realize at New Life, we want to make disciples here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus called us to make disciples. And I don't know who's in, who's out, who's a Christian. I like the emphasis, we'll know, accept Jesus Christ. Uh, in order to be his follower, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but where are people on the four soils? Uh, right. God knows. Right. But we are calling everybody to whole life discipleship. Mm-hmm. And as Whitfield says, you accept Christ, but we'll know in six months where you are. Mm-hmm. And Billy Graham would say the same thing. Uh, I just think we've taken that now, because we're not Billy Graham or George Whitfield, and now this decision altar mm-hmm. call culture has now become a theology, mm-hmm. which is now damaging the church big time. Mm-hmm. So for us, you know, New Life, as you know, Rich, we're, we're, we carry attention. We've got 1,500 adults, so we've got a large crowd. But yeah, we realize we want, we like inviting people to follow Jesus. Our, our services are, are disciple-oriented, but we're sensitive mm-hmm. to people who are all along the spectrum of the journey. Mm-hmm. However, we're calling people to serious discipleship. Yeah. And we know that pulpits, the pulpit's not enough. Mm-hmm. And so we now have got these two courses that we, we just, you know, we're not, we're, we're in New York City, we are not programmatic oriented. We are cynical. Mm-hmm. And so we never wanted to have a quote program. And so for the first really 15, 16, 17 years of EHS, we were totally anti-program. We're like, just do whatever you want. God right, will lead you. Right. <laughs> and uh, as, I, as Rich was becoming the senior pastor and our church got larger, even before he took over, we realized we have a problem and that we've got a lot of people at our church that aren't getting the values of, of discipleship, and we call it VHS. So we began to do some do them in, in a course format. 
not a small group format. And we saw the fruit of that. Other churches began to do the same thing. And so it's morphed uh, into two introductory courses called the EH, Emotionally Spiritu- EHS, Spirituality Course, and the Emotionally Relationships Course. And that both are needed mm-hmm. if we're going to even give people an introduction to how we do discipleship as a whole. We're not saying it's all discipleship. We're saying it's just an introduction and a framework and a paradigm. Uh, but it's eight weeks. It's reading a book. It's doing homework. I mean, it's a for people in most churches, it's a shock mm-hmm. uh, to, to have that level. People say it all the time to me. They come to New Life and say, I, I was in another church. We didn't do anything like this. And this is, yeah. but they love it. They're hungry. And that's why they come here. They don't, they don't even know what they're missing. Uh, but I think we become very clear at New Life, and you can speak to this. We're taking you somewhere. Yeah. We're not just we're not just happy you're here. Yeah. You know, we're a church, we're not a crowd. And we are going somewhere and developing as a follower of Christ. Yeah. I think in the last few years what we've seen, and to juxtapose it with um uh often church cultures that don't wanna uh put their people through the ringer of discipleship because we might lose them, they you know, they're too busy. I think what we've learned is in order to 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 work for discipleship, it really takes time and energy that this is not going to happen in a couple of meetings. It's not going to happen in 15 minutes. And really, uh, our approach to discipleship, it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's 16 weeks in a different given year that we're inviting people uh, to be discipled in their lives. Uh, I think a, a depth. So we're inviting people beneath the surface of their lives, which is, I think, an emphasis that um, is often missing where we're looking at not just have you studied the scriptures, are you praying, but what's happening in your interior world. Um, you know, so I think that's a huge part of it. And I just think a, a theology, we, uh, we're trying to build a theology. Everything we do as we talk is about theology and flows out of that. And how do we now equip people out of a robust theology? Yeah. Um, which, um, I, I think many in the church, it's, it's, it's a, it's a gap yeah. in our churches around our country. Uh, people not thinking theologically, thinking more uh, programmatically um, or pragmatically about yeah, their I mean, I, Very simple theology. I had a discussion with a pastor who loves the EH, half of the, there's two courses for EHS. One is loving God, the other is really loving others. And he was resistant to doing the relational piece of learning, the skills to love other people. And, but he loves the contemplative, loves silence, solitude, scripture, and all that, and moving his church to a rule of life. And it was fascinating because at essence was a theological question. Mm-hmm. I said, but do you understand that the great commandments, both loving God, loving other people. And he goes, yeah, we have a lot of fighting in our church, and a lot of conflict, just just teach me clean fighting. I said, no, it's, <laughs> it's deeper than that. There's a whole lot of skills you gotta learn to, how do we actually love people? Breaking it down where it's actually doable. And I realized, I don't think I've hit me before that I don't think we even have a theology that if we don't change the way our, our people relate to other people, mm-hmm. I mean, practically, yeah. we're not doing discipleship. And that this is, this is I think that the, the, what we've gotten over 20 years here at New Life is trying to simplify it, break it down and saying, no, it's both learning to love God and learning to love other people. And it's a big pill to swallow because it's a very you know big problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a couple of minutes here. Over the years, there's been uh, many learnings and challenges and tensions. Um, are there a couple that come to mind? I know I have a couple that come to mind in terms of tensions that we have to wrestle with with discipleship. Anything comes to mind? 
You know, yeah. just I think in, in just in closing, I think one is we have to leadership make time for it. So in other words, as we 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 have discussions. We, we had a meeting, Rich, myself, few other staff, wrestling with our discipleship of new life regarding singles and marrieds, and recognizing the need to have a consistent, regular input into sexuality, gender, um, uh, marriage. Uh, sexual identity. I mean, this stuff is, mm-hmm. is, is, we've got to get, you know, we teach theology of the body, which comes out of John Paul II, and uh, how we've got to get that into the teenagers, the youth. But we're recognizing that besides the two courses that are introduction, there are about six or seven other courses that are not going to be mandated for everybody, but we're going to have, we're going to want everyone to take it, depending on your age, along the way at New Life to be in leadership because small groups, and we're committed to small groups, are not enough. Mm-hmm to deal with what our people are dealing with every day in our culture. They're under an enormous amount of pressure, mm-hmm. uh, secular pressure apart from Christ. And so we've got to amp forward our discipleship in our churches uh, a, a great deal mm-hmm. to sustain, um, to really walk with Jesus in this culture. I, I think of like Syria right now. If you're in Syria and you're a Christian in the middle of that war, you would better have a solid discipleship. Mm-hmm. You are not gonna make it there. Well, mm-hmm. I feel the same way in the United States. Western world, Australia, you know, Europe, England. If we are not discipling our people, there is no way they're going to withstand the onslaught of the secular culture, which behind it, which are demonic powers mm-hmm. and principalities. So I think our church, we, we as a church need to really actually like make some serious adjustments as we're doing evangelism, understand the fact that we've got to make disciples who are going to stand long-term and who by the grace of God can eventually make disciples. Yeah. They need to make disciples. Yeah. I think one of the things in closing for me that I've learned about the tensions that I have to hold as a leader in discipleship is the tension between uh, centralization and decentralization, mm-hmm. or said in another way, between uh, equipping and community life. Mm-hmm. So we want people connected in community. We want people uh, sharing their lives with others. We want people meeting at dinner tables and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. But we recognize as well that there is a level of theological uh, nuance mm-hmm. and a level of depth that uh, it's helpful if it's centralized. If we create a context where we're learning together, mm-hmm. shared language, uh, shared vision, and so it's not either or. It's not we just don't we want people in classrooms. We mm-hmm. just don't want people in classrooms. Um, at the same time, we just don't want people at dinner tables. We want to hold the tension of. Uh, equipping and theological formation, mm. spiritual formation, as well as community life. And so I think there's that dance yeah, yeah, it is. that we have to, and, and seasons in the church and thrusts. Yes. Um, but I think it's a tension that we really need to hold on to. And some churches are really good at the theological formation and bad at community. Yes. And some are really good at community and building that and bad at formation. So it's, I think what we're learning is how do we really hold in a large church hold those two things together. And because uh, we need both for discipleship. We do. And I think just closing comment here, as you wrap it up, is just saying, hey, we are fundamentally making disciples of all nations, uh, teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded us. I mean, that that's keeping that in the forefront so we don't get too distracted as we hold all these tensions together. Mm. That's good stuff right there. Well, um, Pete, I read you, you said something that conversion is both an event and a process that we can't separate the two. And so hopefully that's what we're endeavoring to do as pastors and leaders in this country and around the world. For more information, you can look on our website, emotionallyhealthy.org, to learn more about our books and articles, conferences, and different things coming up. Uh, See you next time. Thank you. 